Welcome to Historically Haunted, a podcast that takes a look at a historical location that also has a haunted reputation. So come with me as together we enter the strange and creepy world of the unexplained and keep history fun along the way. This is Count Dracula, wishing you a very happy Halloween! (laughs) Hello everyone, welcome to Historically Haunted. I am your host, Ariel, and today is episode 3 of my four-part Halloween series. For today's spooky episode, we will be learning all about the famous Winchester Mystery House. But before I begin, I would like to thank all of you for being here today. I have been gaining a lot of new listeners over the last couple of months, and it means so much to me that you guys are enjoying my episodes. I love that we can all hang out together and learn some cool history and talk about spooky things in every episode. I would also like to thank my Patreons for all the extra support. With your help, I can afford to keep the show on the air with quality equipment, sound effects, music, and more. I recently was able to buy a super nice office chair to make sitting for long hours recording much easier on my lower back, and I couldn't have done it without you, so thank you guys all so much. Starting at only a dollar a month, all of my Patreons get a special thank you card from me and a logo sticker in the mail, access to photos that go along with my episodes, special bonus episodes made exclusively for them when I have time, and other bonus content. If you are interested in becoming a Patreon, I have a link to my Patreon page down below in the show notes. New Patreons also get a shout out on my show, and speaking of that, I have some new Patreons to thank today. I would like to thank Kate, Nikki, Wayne, Christy, Beth, Shannon, and Candice. Thank you guys so much. I also wanted to thank Julie RBH for the kind iTunes review. Giving the show a starred and typed review on iTunes is a great free way to help support the show, and it lets others find Historically Haunted when they are looking for a new spooky podcast to try. Okay, that's all the business I had to talk about today, so let's get into this spooky Halloween episode. But first, our monstrous moment. Today's monstrous moment is a ghoul. There is a good chance that you have heard of this ancient creature before, but the identity of a ghoul has changed many times over the centuries. If you've read Harry Potter like I did growing up, then you might remember a ghoul living in the Weasley's attic. In the Harry Potter books, he was not a mean creature. He just enjoyed living in the empty attic by himself and would often scream and bang around in it all night, and the Weasleys, being the respectful family that they were, let him live up there and pretty much do whatever he wanted. I also remember seeing ghouls from the TV show Supernatural, and the ones in Supernatural were un surprisingly really mean and creepy. When I chose the ghoul for this episode, I was surprised to find out how far back their legend actually goes. The ghoul comes to us from Arabic mythology, and the myth of this creature predates Islam. The ghoul is often described as a demonic being that lives in burial grounds and other deserted places, like the city's underground. They are also said to live in hidden tunnels and caves. 
In some versions of this folklore, ghouls are described as being related to a jinn. A jinn is another terrifying spirit from Arabic mythology and it is acknowledged in official Islam from the research I found. Over thousands of years, a ghoul's purpose changed many times. Some versions of mythology claim that a ghoul is a shapeshifter. In an original Arabic text called The Thousand and One Nights, ghouls were described as tricksters who would take the form of beautiful women and lure lustful men away from their villages. Once they got them to their lair, they would attack them and feast on their flesh. One of the more common beliefs today is that ghouls are grave robbers, and during the night they break into graves and eat the flesh of the dead inside. This, however, is not accurate, because this version of a ghoul was from an inaccurate French translation of the original story The Thousand and One Nights, done by Anton Galland. He took many liberties when translating the original story to French, and he ended up changing quite a bit of the main story, and today people still go by this inaccurate portrayal of ghouls. It is not just the Middle East that brings us the legend of a ghoul. The legend of a ghoul was talked about in other mythologies found in North Africa and Central Asia. These creatures change in appearance, but they all seem to keep the same shapeshifter, trickster, and eating humans aspect. However, I did run into a couple of ghoul mythologies from Central Asia that talk about them robbing graves at night. This led some cryptozoologists to think that there might be different types of ghouls out there, and that is why they stagger in appearance and what they specifically do. As thousands of years pass, the ghoul's true form changed to having a human corpse-like appearance. They are extremely pale, thin, and missing their hair, kind of like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, and I'm not sure if Gollum was based off a ghoul or not. I only bring that up because Tolkien used a lot of real-world mythologies in his Lord of the Rings series. Edgar Allan Poe even described this creature as neither man nor woman, neither brute nor human. The shape-shifting aspect still has followed the ghoul throughout history. They have even been known to hunt young children and shape-shift into disguises. They also set fires at night to lure lost travelers away from the main road so that they can eat them. So if you are ever lost on a road and you see fire off in the distance, you might want to watch out because it just might be a ghoul trying to lure you away for its next meal. If you travel south from San Francisco for about an hour, you can visit a place full of history and paranormal lore, the Winchester Mystery House. This house was constructed by Sarah Winchester over the span of 36 years. There have been so many stories of paranormal encounters that this house is on many people's ghost hunting bucket lists. The house has been visited by Ghost Adventures and Ghost Brothers, but the reason why people are so fascinated with this house stems from how little we actually know about why it was built in the first place. But if the legends are true, this house has a deep connection to the late 1800s spiritualist movement, and it was built to hide from the spirits that were killed at the hands of a Winchester rifle.
Sarah's story begins on the East Coast in New Haven, Connecticut. Sarah Lockwood Party was born into an upper-middle-class family. She was born in either 1839 or 1840. Her father was a successful carriage manufacturer, and his company really prospered when they began supplying the Union Army with ambulances during the Civil War. Sarah was well-educated. She learned four languages by the age of 12, and she was admitted to the Yale College's Young Ladies Collegiate Institute. Yale College today is named Yale University, and it is located in New Haven. Sarah studied mathematics, science, and liberal arts. She was also a talented musician. Sarah married William Winchester, who was also from New Haven, Connecticut, on September 30, 1862. William's father, Oliver, was co-owner of the Winchester Davy Shirt Manufacturing. William was set to run the company after his father, but Oliver had an interest in firearms. He started the Winchester Repeating Arms Company in 1866, and soon after sold his part of the shirt company. Sarah and William's daughter, Anne Pardee Winchester, was born on July 12, 1866. Sadly, the baby died just 40 days later. Her body was unable to produce nutrients, and this caused her to be severely malnourished. The Winchesters did not have any more children. The Winchester Repeating Arms Company continued to improve their rifles. The most famous and successful Winchester rifle was the Model 1873 Repeating Rifle. It has been nicknamed the Gun That Won the West, and this rifle was used by Buffalo Bill Cody, Annie Oakley, and President Theodore Roosevelt. Fun fact, the handgun that won the West was the Colt 45. Pioneers, mountain men, and settlers were often armed with a Winchester rifle over their shoulder and a Colt 45 on their hips. The Winchester 73 was used by the U.S. Army and Native Americans during the Indian Wars, and this was a very violent time in U.S. history. A series of tragic losses struck Sarah again 14 years after the death of her baby girl. First, she lost her mother on May 11, 1880, and then her father-in-law passed away on December 10, 1880. And then, just a few months later, on March 7, 1881, William Winchester died of tuberculosis. He was only 43 years old. Sarah became one of the wealthiest women in the world overnight. She inherited 50% of the Winchester Company, which was worth about $20 million, and she was also guaranteed to receive $1,000 per day. The stories about Sarah state that she suffered extreme grief over the loss of her family members. She also never liked making money from the selling of guns. She felt that the money was tainted because the Winchester rifles were the cause of so many deaths. She was very interested in the spiritualist movement, which was common for people who lived during and after the Civil War. This movement believed that the dead could interact with the living. It seems that she visited a medium in Boston. He told her that she was cursed by the spirits of the ones who had been killed by the Winchester rifles. He went on to tell her that the way to escape these spirits was to move out west and build a home for these lost souls. Other stories state that the Boston medium told her that she needed to keep building the home to hide from these spirits or else they would find her and kill her. Sarah decided to move to San Jose, California in 1886. She already had two sisters that lived in the Bay Area. She bought an eight-room farmhouse on 40 acres of land and began adding to the house immediately. She tried hiring architects but was never satisfied with any of them. Instead, she chose to drop the building plans herself. She hired the carpenters and instructed them on what to do. The construction went non-stop until Sarah's death in 1922. The San Francisco Chronicle had an article in their February 24, 1895 issue that stated, The sound of hammers is never hushed. She 
hired dozens of carpenters and the small farmhouse grew to have seven stories. The 1906 San Francisco earthquake caused severe damage to the top three stories of the house. The four stories below were also damaged. The earthquake terrified Sarah. She was trapped in the Daisy bedroom for a while until staff were able to find her and rescue her. Some think that she took this earthquake as a sign from the spirits that she needed to keep building. She also had the Daisy room sealed off immediately and it was forgotten about until being rediscovered years after her death. She had the upper three stories removed and began building out rather than up. Just because Sarah Winchester decided to build a very strange home did not mean she was about to skimp on the decorations. The house covers about 24,000 square feet of space. The outside is American Queen Anne style with turrets, columns, and finials. The interior is decorated in the aesthetic movement, where it was thought that everyday objects should be beautiful. Being surrounded by beautiful things improved a person's everyday life and were morally uplifting. The doorknobs and hinges in the house are decorated with special details. Lots of natural elements are found throughout the home, like leaves, flowers, birds, and insects. There are influences from several different cultures throughout the house as well, like Greek, Egyptian, Persian, and especially Japanese. Sarah also loved stained glass. She purchased 25 stained glass windows for the house. Some of these windows are still in place. Some were removed when she made changes to the home and some were never used. The house today has 2,000 doors, 160 rooms, 10,000 windows, 47 fireplaces with only 17 chimneys, and 40 staircases. The fireplaces either burned wood, gas, or coal and there are six kitchens and 13 bathrooms. The house cost $5 million to build, which is approximately $71 million today. There are so many oddities to this house, it really does seem like Sarah was trying to confuse spirits. In the ballroom, there is a beautiful wooden carved door. When you open it, there is a basic metal door behind it that has a lock. Behind that door is a door to a safe. Open that door and you finally get to the safe. Legend has it that after Sarah's death, they found the obituaries of her husband and daughter and a lock of her daughter's hair inside the safe. The deeper you go inside this house, the more and more weird it gets. There are staircases that lead to nowhere, secret passageways, a cabinet door that has a secret entrance that leads you to 30 other rooms. There is a door that opens up to the outside and is 15 feet above the garden. It is called the door to nowhere. Some of the beautiful stained glass windows are in places where sunlight can never reach them. There are also these weird windows that are inside that don't even look over into anything. They're all boxed inside a room, so there's no reason for there to be a window in a wall. There are confusing hallways that sometimes lead you back to where you started, and strange switchback staircases. New rooms are still being discovered to this day. Sarah also had many innovations put into her house. In the later years, she suffered from rheumatoid arthritis, so walking was difficult for her. She had some staircases rebuilt to where the steps were only a few inches high because that was as high as she could step. Today, we call these kinds of steps easy risers. She also had three elevators installed in the house. Plumbing was very extravagant at this time and she installed a special shower which was unusual during the Victorian era. Getting in and out of a bathtub would have been very difficult for Sarah. She also installed faucets all over the house for her convenience and for her staff. She also had built-in laundry sinks with scrub boards and soap holders installed. These sinks also had both hot and cold running water. She had a clever way of communicating with her staff. Because her home was so large, she invented a communications box. There were buttons throughout the house that she could press and a bell would ring at the communications box. A number would then drop into a window and this would tell her servants where Sarah was in the home. 
She also had a system of call tubes that were built into the walls. A person on, say, the fourth floor could talk to someone down on the bottom floor. A bell would ring at the tube signaling you that someone wanted to speak with you. Sarah was obsessed with the number 13, and the number 13 can be found throughout the house. Was this to ward off evil spirits or to keep the communications wide open? There are 13 steps leading into the 13th bathroom, and the 13th bathroom has 13 windows. There are 13 chandeliers that hold 13 candles. Sarah had a Tiffany's window custom made to have 13 blue amber stones, because remember, this woman was rolling in money. So of course she'd have a Tiffany's custom made window. The entrance hallway of the home has 13 ceiling panels and the seance room has 13 hooks on the wall. Sarah died on September 5th, 1922. Her will was divided into 13 sections and she signed it 13 times. She left the house and all its contents to her favorite niece, Marion Marriott, who lived in nearby Menlo Park. Marion kept some of the contents and the rest was auctioned off. The grounds were divided and sold as well, and the rest of her fortune was given to charities. In April 1923, John and Mamie Brown leased the house and the grounds, planning to build a roller coaster that John designed in Canada. It was one of the earliest known wooden roller coasters. It was called the Backity Back Railway. They were unable to build due to local regulations and the public's interest in preserving the house. Instead, they opened the house to the public. Mamie was the first tour guide, and families were allowed to picnic in the gardens. By the 1930s, the Browns bought the house and advertised it as the Winchester Mystery House. John Brown passed away in June of 1945, but Mamie and their two daughters continued to operate the daily tours. Mamie passed away in December of 1951, but the house remained in the family. The house was designated a California Registered Historic Landmark and placed on the National Registry of Historic Places in 1974. Today, the home is owned by a private company that represents descendants of the Brown family. Preservation and restoration of the home and its content still continues. Visitors can enjoy the guided mansion tour where they are led through 110 rooms. The ticket also includes the Sarah Winchester Victorian Garden Tour. There is a new Explore More ticket which takes guests to parts of the house that have never been open to the public before. This includes a room known as the Witch's Cap Room. This room is in a space in the attic that has a continual ceiling that causes very strange acute the Winchester Mystery House is definitely a tourist attraction and they really do lean heavily onto the paranormal aspect. They hold a lot of different events throughout the year. This year's All Hallows Eve offers an indoor paranormal investigation experience called Lost in the House Tour. There is also a family-friendly jack-o'-lantern trail in the Victorian Gardens. Also during October, Houdini's Spirited Escape is offered. Houdini visited the estate in October of 1924 as part of his nationwide spiritualism tour. He hoped to debunk the legends of the house, but he left with more questions than answers and was actually quite confused about the house. This event was a 30-minute escape room experience where you can solve puzzles and look for clues. Check out their website for more information on these special events. And I have a link to their main website down below in the show notes. Sarah Winchester was a mysterious woman. She was also clever, intelligent, and independent. She has left behind a beautiful house to explore and wonder at. While we may never know the real reason behind this eclectic house, one thing seems to be certain. It is very haunted. But haunted by who? The ghosts of people who did die at the hands of the Winchester rifles? The house staff that worked for Sarah? 
Could it be the construction workers who left a residual energy behind because they worked on the house 24-7? Or is the main ghost Sarah herself, who sadly never got over the loss of her loved ones? The hauntings that people have experienced are just as puzzling as the house, with its massive maze of windows inside of windows, hallways that make no sense, and staircases that lead to nowhere. I was able to take a tour of this house about seven years ago, and you can't walk through this house and not think that something was going on when it was being built. Even if all the ghost stuff is completely made up, it is hard to understand why someone would ever build a house like this and not have some kind of reason behind it. I would love to go back because I don't remember much from the tour um, just because of who I went with on the tour. If I go back, I would love to go and actually be able to pay attention and enjoy it, but I did see something really weird when I was inside. This house is crazy with a bunch of these weird switchback hallways and weird windows that are in the middle of rooms, and there's so much craziness, it is a little easy to get disoriented, but when you take the tour, you basically follow a tour guide around the house, and they pause in certain rooms and talk about what the purpose of the room was back in the day, and then they point out how weird the room is. Usually, there's something odd like the number 13 reference in the room or a secret passageway or even a weird trap door that opens up into the kitchen. It's totally bizarre. About in the middle of the tour, I was in the back of the group and we were going down the staircase and at the bottom of the stairs, you turn left to go down another hallway. At the bottom of the stairs, there was this window in a wall, but the window looked into another hallway instead of looking out like a normal window should. The window was not made of clear glass and it had this kind of wavy effect to it so you could see through it, but what you saw on the other side was a little distorted. This house is so weird and it is so hard to describe, but basically when I rounded the corner to go down the last few stairs to the landing. The group in front of me had already taken the left turn and were pretty far down the hallway. That was a normal hallway with no other windows in, in the hallway. So as I took the last few steps, I looked at the window straight ahead of me and saw something like a dark shadow move from left to right on the other side of the window. I stopped on the stairs and actually moved my head and body around to see if it was my own reflection or see if there was something on the other side I was seeing. But the other side of the window and that hallway was actually off limits to visitors and later I found out that the door to that hallway actually had a plexiglass covering it so no one could enter the space anyway and I found out that the hallway was actually a dead end. When I saw the shadow, there was a girl behind me because we were the last two in the whole group at the back and at the same time we both said, did you see that? So so I know that I was not the only one that witnessed this weird shadow figure and we both quickly retraced our steps to see if we could recreate the shadow but we never saw it again. That was my only weird experience in the house but after I did a little research for this episode I discovered that I am not the only person to have seen a shadow figure inside the house. The house itself definitely feels like it was built to hide from something or at the very least make someone looking for you lost and confused because if you don't know your way around this house you could easily become lost. This is why so many people have theorized that Sarah was building this house to confuse the spirits that she believed were haunting her and causing her family harm. To understand why Sarah could think that ghosts were after her, we have to take a look at what was going on during the late 1800s. During the Victorian period, there was something known as the Spiritualist Movement that was sweeping across the UK and the US. The Spiritualist Movement made it completely normal to try to communicate with ghosts. A typical Friday night was spent with family and friends to conduct a seance with a spirit board in the living room. But why? Let's take a brief look at the history behind the spiritualist movement.
Spiritualism is the belief that the dead can communicate with the living. This kind of belief has come and gone as a fad for thousands of years, but spiritualism is connected to the strong belief in the supernatural and often the occult. You could say that today we are going through another type of spiritual movement. With the number of ghost hunting shows on TV, ghost podcasts, and locations using its haunted reputation to gain tourism, also the witchcraft community is once again thriving and it's considered more mainstream now. But the most famously talked about is the Victorian spiritualist movement. By the beginning of the Victorian period, Victorians began to have a fascination with death and thought it possible to communicate with loved ones from beyond the veil. This idea only doubled when newspaper articles began circulating about two teenage girls who apparently could communicate with the dead. These sisters were known as the Fox sisters. In April of 1848, Margaret and Kate Fox claimed that they could communicate with a ghost of a man who was murdered in their family home years before the Foxes moved in. The home was located in the village of Hydesdale, New York, and after reporters got a hold of this story, that was all the public needed to hear. The spiritualist movement took off with the idea that you were able to communicate with the dead as long as you had a medium with a gift to talk to spirits to help you. The spiritualist movement also gave Victorians a sense of freedom in a world in which freedom was not really allowed. During this time, women were strictly forced to act a certain way, and if they didn't stay within the lines, they would be ostracized by the whole community. Men also had to follow many rules or suffer the same fate. The spiritualist movement was a way to openly rebel against religion, family, and the social norms. Spiritualism was also the only way women could speak out in public. They used the popularity of the movement to openly debate and discuss social change like equal rights, abolishing slavery, and the women's suffragist movement. Many women would claim that they were getting these messages from beyond condemning these injustices. The interest in the spiritualist movement only tripled after the start of the Civil War. During the 1800s, people believed in what they called a good death. A good death meant that a dying person should be home, kept comfortable, and be surrounded by loving friends and family when they passed away. Many people believed that this would help the dying soul pass into the afterlife easily. Many feared that without a good death, the soul would become trapped on earth and not be able to pass on and they would then suffer. When the Civil War began in the United States, the amount of casualties on both sides were massive. By the end, the number of deaths were devastating. A total of 750,000 soldiers died and the war had about 504 deaths a day on average. Many men and women who fought in the war were buried in mass graves and never returned home for a proper burial. And I say women because women did fight in the American Civil War. Historians estimate that the number of women who fought on the front lines on both sides were somewhere between 400 and 750, and now they think the number might actually be a bit higher than that. Women disguised themselves as men and were able to hide in plain sight. Sadly, many of these men and women who were killed on the battlefields were often left where they fell. And this left grieving families to never truly know what happened to their loved ones and, more importantly, their souls. This sparked grieving mothers and fathers to rush to the nearest medium to try to get in contact with their loved ones to make sure that their souls were okay. By the end of the war, it was reported that 11 million people believed in and practiced spiritualism and 53,000 were registered as a practicing medium. With everyone clamoring for a medium, you can imagine how people saw this as a cash grab and played off the poor grieving families just to make a quick buck. 
Many famous frauds came out of the spiritualist movement, including the ones who started it all, the Fox sisters. In 1888, Margaret Fox admitted that she and her sister made up the whole thing, and the knocking sounds that people would hear thinking it was from ghosts was actually the cracking of the girls' knuckles and their feet from under the table, which to that I say, yuck. Regardless of frauds, the movement held on for many more years. So now you might see why Sarah Winchester could have easily gone to a medium seeking answers as to why her husband and her daughter died and what she could do to keep that same fate from happening to her. And the answer could have been to build a house to confuse the spirits. Once Sarah began construction on her elaborate home, some people who worked for her began to notice that Sarah had some odd behaviors. Sarah didn't like to sleep in the same room every night, and her staff would never know what room she would wake up in, and that was a big reason why she installed that elaborate bell system in the house. It is also why when the 1906 earthquake struck, it took her staff over an hour to find what room she was trapped in. Not only was Sarah building her house like a maze, but she also had a bell tower built that would only chime at midnight and again at 2 o'clock a.m. This bell tower was built right outside what is believed to be her seance room. Sarah kept this room off limits to even her staff members and was so secretive about the room that many rumors began flying around town. The main rumor that even the tour guides talk about is, when the bell tower chimed at midnight, Sarah would enter her seance room and contact the many spirits that lived in the house. She would conjure them and talk to them until the bell rang at 2 o'clock a.m. Then she would use the tolling of the bell to release the spirits. After she was done, she would disappear into the house and wander around it trying to confuse the ghosts and keep them from following her. After she thought that she had lost them, she would choose a random room to sleep in that was different from the room she slept in the night before. Rumors of haunting started soon after Sarah began to build her elaborate mansion, but these strange happenings have been witnessed by hundreds of people, especially after it was opened to the public after her death. This house is huge, and there are so many ghostly things that happen here, it can be kind of hard to know where to begin. Staff members from when Sarah was still alive to the modern-day staff members who do the tours seem to agree that there are three different kinds of hauntings in this home, residual, intelligent, and shadow figures. The main thing to remember is this house was the main hub of activity for a long time. So many of these ghost stories are from the past and present day. So we have over 100 years of hauntings to cover. So let's just jump in, starting with the intelligent hauntings throughout the whole house. An intelligent haunting is when a ghost does something understanding that you will experience it. Intelligent spirits often like to try to interact with the living. People who have gone on tours of the house have reported the feeling of their clothes being tugged on by invisible hands. Tour guides have also experienced this. The sound of doorknobs rattling is a common occurrence. Maids that used to work in the home when Sarah was still alive talked of doors that would open and close and even slam on their own, and many doorknobs would rattle and sound like something was trying to open them as they passed by. This is still heard throughout the house today, and it's not surprising with that many random doors in the house. Some wonder if the ghosts are actually stuck inside the house and they're still trying to find a way out. The sound of footsteps have also been heard throughout the home. Many modern-day tour guides have reported hearing footsteps walking above them in areas that are off-limits to guests. When the guides would go up the stairs to confront the trespassers, they would find no one there. Some have even heard footsteps following them down the long hallways. When people turn around to see who it is, the hallways are empty. The sound of moving furniture in now empty rooms has also been reported. 
Full-bodied apparitions have been seen on the grounds and in the home. Many different types of spirits have been seen. Women, men, and even a little boy are all dressed in late 1800s and early 1900s clothing, and they have been seen wandering through the halls. Many think that these random apparitions could be ghosts of those who tragically died at the hands of a Winchester rifle. The sewing room is said to be haunted. Tour guides have heard voices and footsteps coming from inside. One day, a tour guide was doing his final sweep of the house, and as he passed by the room, he thought he saw someone inside. This room has plexiglass over the door, so it is impossible for someone to get inside easily. He went to have a closer look and found the room empty. However, the rocking chair inside the room was rocking on its own. Many people believe that it is the ghost of Sarah that likes to sit in the rocking chair. Tour guides have also reported a creepy occurrence of hearing their name being called from somewhere inside the house. Guides have heard this and gone walking around to look for the source to come up empty. However, this quickly turns creepy. Some of the tour guides said that when their name is being called, it feels like something is luring them deeper into the house on purpose. Why? No one knows because many become so creeped out while trying to find the voice that they hurriedly leave the house. Inside the Venetian dining room, the chandelier likes to swing on its own for no reason. The props in that room also like to move on their own. On the second floor is a room that they call Sarah's bedroom. This was the room that Sarah passed away in. Many things happen in this space. People often report the feeling of a sudden burst of cold air blowing right past them. Strange poltergeist activity happens here as well, like moving objects, slamming of cabinet doors, and people feeling weird energy. Sudden cold spots have been reported throughout the home, as well as people becoming suddenly sick, disoriented, and dizzy. The ghost of Sarah seen in her black morning dress and veil have been seen wandering throughout the home and gliding through the garden. Sarah's ghost has also been seen watching guests in the courtyard and gardens from the windows above. Speaking of windows, if you ever go to the Winchester Mystery House, keep an eye out while you are walking through the garden. You might see more than just the spirit of Sarah watching you from the windows. Some of these ghosts have been caught in photographs. Residual energy is prevalent throughout the property. Residual energy is when there is a fragment in time stuck on repeat like a video loop. Residual energy apparitions don't usually interact with people around them. Since this house was worked on 24-7 for a long period of time, people have reported the sound of construction going on inside and outside of the home. From the sound of phantom hammering to sawing and even seeing a whole construction crew at work before they fade away. The most famous residual haunting is a ghost named Clyde. Clyde is believed to have been a worker who passed away on the property during the building's never-ending construction. Clyde is known for his bussy mustache and his white overalls. There is actually a black and white picture of him among the many artifacts at the house. You can see him posing for a photo with other workers, and I'll put a picture of that on Patreon. Clyde also goes by another name, the Wheelbarrow Ghost. He is called this because he is usually seen pushing a wheelbarrow down what is called Steam Alley in the basement. He has also been seen fixing a fireplace inside the house. However, when he is in the house, he likes to interact with guests. And in the past, he has been seen walking around the house. So I don't know why he is residual in the basement and not inside the house. So that's kind of weird. The last and dare I say creepiest thing that people witness inside this home is shadow figures and lots of shadow figures. I think when I went, I even saw one. They are seen darting down switchback hallways and in and out of rooms. They have also been seen walking past windows and past room doorways. The Winchester Mystery House is a must-do for any paranormal enthusiast, so it's not a big surprise that they let ghost adventures in. They have even been there twice. 
The first time they went, they were just starting out and they did some questionable experiments that actually scared them so much that they supposedly called off the investigation before the night was over. Years later, they came back and Zach actually apologized to Sarah for his disrespect. And then he brought in a Winchester rifle into the seance room, so you know, that's respectful. Some creepy things did happen though, including capturing on camera an apparition down a hallway walk away from them. And I have to admit, it creeped me out because I personally saw something close to that when I was at the house myself, so seeing that on the actual camera gave me straight up chills. When Zach was playing around with the gun in the seance room, his equipment turned off as soon as he pointed it at the camera. After this happened, it really spooked the team, and I bet you anything that was Sarah letting them know that she was not happy with him bringing a Winchester rifle into her home. The Ghost Adventures team also caught EVPs, the sound of banging and tapping, doors opening on their own, strange cold spots, and Zach claimed to see a little boy ghost. And at that same time, the audio did pick up a child's voice and running footsteps, so that was kind of creepy. Zach also got pushed backwards while he was going up some stairs, or so he claimed, but honestly, if there was ever a ghost to push Zach, I bet it would be Sarah because he did bring in a Winchester rifle, and Sarah was not shy about telling people how much she hated those guns. The show Ghost Brothers also got to do a night investigation, and they got some really creepy stuff. While in the basement, they heard loud boots stomping around, and then the heavy metal door to the entrance slammed shut after their ovulus that they had with them said the word poltergeist. The three REM pods they bought with them also went crazy all night long and in different rooms, and the activity was high with slamming doors, banging, doorknobs, jiggling, voices, and other strange sounds. This house is one spooky place. While we may never know the truth as to why Sarah had built the home in the first place, many people are convinced that it is haunted. Having been to this location, all I can say is this house is beautiful, unique, and creepy. If you ever feel brave enough to go check it out for yourself, you might just get lucky enough to see one of the many ghosts that reside inside the Winchester Mystery House. all so much for joining me today as we talked about the weirdness of the Winchester Mystery House. I felt like this definitely fit into the Halloween category and I had so much fun making this episode. I hope that the rain isn't cutting into the microphone too much. I recorded half of this yesterday and the rest of it today and this morning I had a goal to have this done and finished by three o'clock in the afternoon my time and posted on the internet and just as I was finishing the last three paragraphs of my entire script my power went out and it's not even three o'clock yet in the afternoon so technically if my power didn't go out, you all would be listening to this right now, but my power's out. So I don't know when this will get posted. I hope it'll get posted today, the 24th, like I had planned, but if not, it'll come out on the 25th. Sorry if that's the case, but I do hope they'll get my power back up and running by tonight. But if not, I can't control that. So anyway, thank you guys so much for coming with me today as we talked about the Winchester Mystery House. I know I had a lot of fun covering this. I hope you guys had fun listening to all the weird and spooky lore that comes with the house. I find all of my information online, so as always, I have a link to everything that I use down below in the show notes. I also have a link to the Winchester Mystery House itself, so you can go online and look at the house if you'd like to on their website. I also have links to my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages down below in the show notes, along with my Patreon page. The final episode of my Halloween series will be the Bell Witch Cave, and it's going to come out on Halloween. Thank you guys again so much for listening. I hope you guys stay healthy and safe, and I will see you guys back here really soon for another episode of Historically Haunted. Bye, everybody. Bye.